Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Turn me up just a bit, please. Psalm 119. As we're continuing through this wonderful series of Psalm 119, the ABCs of Psalm 119, we're taking this eight verses at a time as the Bible has naturally broken itself up in this chapter into eight verses apiece. And we're just um, going through each of these segments, learning more about the struggles. Now remember, every verse in Psalm 119 speaks about the Word of God. But it tells much more than just read your Bible, read your Bible, love the Bible. It's telling the story of the psalmist. And the troubles that he goes through. The struggles that he has. And that he has to go to God's word. And we could see this over and over. And in Psalm 119, we find the psalmist in a heartbreaking spot. Turn with me to Psalm 119. And look with me in verse number 81. Psalm 119 and verse number 81. The Bible says this. My soul fainteth for thy salvation. But I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke. Yet I do not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou exercise, execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have digged pits for me which are not after thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. They had almost consumed me upon the earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so, that I, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark an interesting phrase in Psalm 119? Psalm 119, and notice with me in verse number 83. Psalm 119 in verse number 83, notice the phrase, a bottle in the smoke. A bottle in the smoke. And with this poetical expression, it's giving a picture of where he's at. It's giving a picture about what he is like. In the midst of this psalm, this idea of a bottle in the smoke. Now in the ancient world, they would use containers for wine or water. And they would make the containers out of the skins of animals. So if you can Im imagine a water skin that's made out of skins of an animal, it's leather. And if you were to take this water skin and actually put it in a smoke, let's say that we have a fire rolling up, and you would actually take the, the skin and you would just put it in the smoke, what would happen is the smoke would dry out the leather. It would cause the leather to crack. It 
cause it to creak. It would cause it to be blackened with soot, but it'd be dry, parched, and it would shrivel up. But the outside of the container would not be the only thing affected. That if you had water or if you had some type of drinking liquid inside of it, the smoke as it would permeate inside of the leather would actually contaminate and disflavor the water in the inside. And so this is the picture that the, the psalmist is placing, showing what he is like. He says, I'm like this water skin. And so they have me over the smoke that the people are persecuting me. The people around me, the oppression that I have, I'm in the smoke. And as an effect, it's drying me out. It's making it so that way the life out of me seems to be sucked out. I'm dried. I'm withered. I'm about ready to burst. It won't take much for it to burst and the contents out. He says, not only is it affecting the outside of me, but it's starting to affect the inside of me. That you can only live so long without hope and relief. And he says, it's starting to affect me. This is what it looks like right now for the psalmist. He says, I'm like this bottle in smoke. I'm being affected. And with this in mind, after all that he's been through, let us now examine this psalm and see what his response to, that we could see what he's like. He's like this smoke, uh, bottle in smoke. He's getting dried out. It's affecting him both outside and in. It's making him so that way he is wasted by age, by sickness, and by sorrow. He felt contaminated by the world. But the one thing we're going to see in this psalm is that he still depended upon God. He wanted to be used of God, but he's starting to get the idea that maybe God can't use me no more. Maybe I'm just too spoiled. I'm too messed up. I'm too whatever else. God's moved on. Let's go ahead and read this psalm here, and let's see what happens in this condition. The first thing that we see is a troubled soul. A troubled soul. Notice with me in verse 81. My soul fainteth. Remember this word fainteth carries with it the idea of quit. He says, you know what? My soul, I'm ready to quit. Uh, Now remember the soul is the inner part of our being. It's where our um, will, intellect, and emotions at. He says, inside of me, I'm ready to quit. Have you ever been to the place where you're just ready to quit? Where I'm done. I, I just can't handle life no more. I'm just, I'm done. That's where he's at. He said, my soul fainteth for thy salvation. Now, when you see the word salvation, we have to be careful. Normally, we use the salvation in a religious term, carrying the idea that God has saved my soul from hell. But the word salvation just literally carries the idea to deliver from a situation. So remember that when you're reading through the Bible, especially through the Psalms, we need to be careful about this word. Because if we start looking about it and always apply it to saving my soul from hell... What happens is we start getting the stories off a little bit. In this, he's not saying I'm fainting because I'm, <laughs> because I'm not seeing your salvation. I'm not sure that if I'm going to heaven or not and it's drying me up. That's not what he's saying. He's saying I'm in a situation I need delivered from. I have persecutors around me. I'm in a situation where it's affecting my health. And he says, I I feel like I'm ready to quit. I'm just at the edge of it. And I just, Lord, I need you to intervene. I'm stuck. I can't get out of this anymore. I can't go through this anymore. And and if you don't come, I'm going to quit. I I just, Lord, I need you. Have you ever been to that place? Now again, the Psalms reflect the 
inner part of man. It reflects the human experience. And so there may be times we could relate with that. That we're just at our wits end. We're saying I can't just go on anymore. Remember the Bible never promises a bed of roses for those that follow God. And this is a human experience. This is something. Here's a psalmist. And we've seen his faith all the way through here. He's at the place where he says I just can't handle it anymore. I have to have you deliver. There's nothing I can do. If you don't intervene. I think I'm going to be done. I don't know how long I could last. I need you. I need you. But notice this. In fact, whenever you go through these, one of the greatest words that you could find is the word but. Notice this, verse uh, 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. He says, Lord, I need you to intervene. He says, but the thing that's keeping me going, the thing that's keeping me alive, the thing that helps me to take the next step is that I'm hoping in thy word. Remember a hope is a confident expectation of something or someone sure to come. He says, Lord, I'm hoping in your word. I'm putting my confidence that your Bible is going to come through, that you will keep your word. He says, if I didn't believe you would keep your word, I'd just give up right now. This is what's keeping me going. You know, David said something similar in a different psalm that he said, my soul would have fainted if I wouldn't believe to see the goodness of God. He says, I can't even see the goodness of God. I just have to believe to see. I just have to believe that God's still good even though I have no evidence of it right now. He says, that's what keeps me going on. Is that your word, you gave promises and I'm trusting in your promises that there's hope, there's confidence. Otherwise, I'd just quit right now if I didn't believe that you would do something. I'm trusting in your word. Notice in verse 82. My eyes fail for thy word, saying, when wilt thou comfort me? He's saying, God, why, why haven't you done something? Why haven't you intervened? You've seen my situation. You see him at my wit's end. What's keeping you from coming? Now again, he's reflecting the human experience. May I tell you that on the other side of the curtain, God is never sitting still. God is always at work. It could be that God at this time is putting people at the right place at the right time. It could be that God is moving things in position. Maybe he's preparing that blessing to come and he's putting the things there so right when you get at the right spot, they come. But God is always at work. God is never idle. He's never sitting still. He is always at work. Whereas from our perspective, and again, that's what we're seeing is the human experience from our perspective it doesn't seem like God's doing anything at all. He's at the place where he feels like he has to flag God down. And God, do you even see me now? I need you to work. I've been asking and begging. What's keeping you? It's our impatience sometimes because we don't like to be in pain. We don't like to be in rough situations. But God is always at work. But again, from the psalmist expression, he's like, God, what's keeping you? What's holding things back? Why, why hasn't things been delivered yet? Notice in verse 83. As he gives this illustration again. For I am become like a bottle in a smoke. But notice this. Yet do I not forget thy statutes. He says I feel I'm all dried up. I feel like I'm being contaminated. But I'm not forgetting God's word. 
I'm trusting in it. It's the only thing that's getting me by right now is that I'm depending upon God's word. And so we start off with a troubled soul. We start off with a soul that's so brokenhearted that it seems like God is silent. It seems like God's not moving. May I tell you that God's always moving. And God is always working. He says, I feel like I'm trusting in your promises. And I'm saying this is what the Bible said and it's not coming through. May I tell you that when it seems like the Bible is silent or it seems to be saying wrong things, it's not the Bible that's wrong. Sometimes it's our viewpoint or our interpretation. We need to see what God has to say about this, that we're making the right application. But God is always at work. When he's talking about that I'm the smoke in the bottle, he's not saying I'm completely ruined. He knew the one thing that could fix this contamination, the one thing that could fix this dried up outside is God's word. He said, this is how I'm going to get healed. This is what's going to purify the inside. This is, I have to have God's word. But we could see here a troubled soul, someone who's in the midst of great persecution, great pressure, great hardship, and he's brokenhearted and he's barely hanging on. Which brings us to a second thing, a trying situation, a trying situation. So the psalmist has been thinking, how, why is God delaying? Notice with me in verse number 84, how many are the days of thy servant? He says, listen, how many days do I got left? What's keeping you so long? If I die tomorrow, is it worth it? I mean, God, you've got to do something. I'm running out of time. I I need you to intervene with this. My days are slipping away and it seems like my prayers are being unanswered. How many are the days of thy servant? When will thou execute judgment upon them that persecute me? Now that's always something from our perspective. God, how come you're not taking care of the enemies around me? My life would be easier if you got rid of them. Just take them out. May I remind you, sometimes people ask the question, why didn't God kill Pharaoh when Moses and the children of Israel were coming out? Why didn't God just kill them? Because God doesn't kill our Pharaohs. He goes with us to face them. And God shows himself more powerful and more real than when he goes with us and sees God deliver with his strong arm than him just snapping and they're all gone. God knows what to do. And the psalmist through the end of it, as we trust God's promises, is going to be able to see God's miracles even more through the midst of this. But at the moment, human experience from where he's at, we're not worried about the future and how God is going to show himself real next year. If we're in the middle of a hardship, all we could see is the hardship we're in right now. How are you going to deliver? How are you going to fix this? I need this taken care of. What's keeping you so long? You know, in our mind... We think it'd be a simple solution of God just snap his fingers and he provides. Whether uh, God gives me a care worker, God gives me a vehicle. I mean, why doesn't God just snap his fingers and it just happens? It'd be easier than me going and struggling through all of this stuff. But God has more information than we do. And he has a purpose and a plan. He knows what he's doing and we could trust him. But our human experience is God, it's just been too long. It's too late. We don't want to wait that long. And that's one of the problems is we don't like this waiting process. We don't like to struggle. We don't like to be inconvenienced. We don't like to be discomforted. And you let it go on a while and we start getting to the place, God, what's keeping you? Why aren't you working? 
And we could trust him the whole time. But again, there's something about pain, discomfort, awkwardness that makes our impatience rise quite a bit. And we have a hard time waiting when we're hurting. We have a hard time waiting when patience is, when the pressure is on. Notice again as he continues on in verse 85. The proud have, have digged pits for me, which are not after the, thy law. He's recognizing that, that these people are trying to prepare against him. They're trying to lie traps for him. They're trying to get him so that way he falls publicly. And he's saying, God, you see what they're doing? That's a normal human experience too. We like to point out all the people that's worse than us. And look, look at them. Look at them. Look at what they're doing. God, stop them. Verse 86. All, and all thy commandments are faithful. He goes back and says, Lord, I'm trusting your word. You, you promised your word. I have to cling to that right now. What your Bible says. They persecute me wrongly. But notice this. Help thou me. In the Bible, when you study prayers, and there's many prayers in the Bible, the most answered prayer and the most effective prayer is this. Help me. Help me. Now, may I remind you that when he's saying this, he doesn't have to get an organ to play and say, all right, I got to get God buttered up. I don't have to... Uh, to try to use flowery language and God of the Israel and God of Jacob and God of Rehoboam and the Boam boys and Jehoshaphat and all the fat brothers. He doesn't have to try to call out all the names of God. He doesn't have to use some special formula. Help me. Help me. It's an interesting study. Do it for yourself sometime. But look and just see how many times that simple prayer request helped me. Think of Peter. He's walking on the water. And he gets his eyes off the Lord and he starts sinking. What does he say? Help! Help! He doesn't say, oh Lord, God of Israel, who is the great Alpha and Omega. And Lord, I just plead you with your mercies and compassions. He says, help! Help! Go through the Bible and find just that, that simple prayer. Help. Help me. That's the most answered prayer in the Bible. Help me. You know God is a God who needs to be needed. And sometimes he waits to the place where we finally give up and just say, Help! Help! And it's not help. As in, it'd be nice if you'd help. It's help of a drowning man who is going to go under for the third time and not come back up. Help. Help. You know, sometimes we're not desperate enough. Now, God's not trying to make us desperate. But all the way up to then, we still think, you know, if I have God's assistance, we can get through this together. Sometimes God allows situations to happen where... You're not part of the equation. Either God helps or I die. It's not me. It is God. Again, think about so many situations. We want God to assist us rather than do it. Does that make sense? And sometimes God has to get us 
where we're dependent on him instead of having him help assist us. Does it make sense? And so he finally helped me. Help. 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 I'm on the brink of disaster. The enemies are going to win. I can't do this anymore. Help. Interesting enough, the persecutors of the psalmist, their goal was to get the psalmist to stop trusting in God. Stop depending on God's word. Stop clinging to God's word. Stop talking about God's word. But all their persecution is doing is doing the opposite effect. He's going more to God's word. He's trusting in God's more word. He, he, instead of giving up, he's clinging to God more desperately. And by the way, that's how God works quite often. Is we get closer to him in our greatest times of need. Help me. Then we come to a testimony of strength. I'm sorry, verse 87 is finishing up what I just said. Um, <laughs> it says, they had almost consumed me upon the earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Notice the two important words in this verse is almost and but. They had almost consumed me, almost, but they didn't get the job done. I'm not done yet. He says, but, but I forsook not thy precepts. The opposite has happened. Instead of him quitting God's word, He's getting closer to God's word. He's clinging to it more desperately. He says, they almost got me, but almost doesn't count. I'm running to God and clinging to him. Now comes to the testimony of strength, verse 88. It says, quicken me. Nine times in this psalm, the psalmist gives the prayer, quicken me. The word quicken carries the idea to give new life, to give life again. Anybody know what biblical word we usually use instead of quicken me? No? It starts with an R, so that's good. Revive. Revive. Revive me. I need new life. I need you to put new life. Now, revival and quicken carries the idea of life again. That means there was life to start off with. But give me life again. Lord, I trusted you. And there was a time where my walk with you was so alive and so vibrant. And now because of circumstances, it's kind of died down. Revive me again. Quicken me again. Nine times in this psalm, the psalmist gives this prayer request. I need your life. And again, we find it's because of the desperation. As long as we can do it ourselves, we'll do it. As long as we could plow through ourselves, we will. But God needs to get us to the place where we're trusting in Him and Him alone and we give up. It's not me. I can't do it. I can't shoulder through. I can't pick myself up by the bootstraps. I can't grip my teeth. I'm done. I just can't. One of the most misused um, passages, let's turn there really quick. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to 2 Corinthians. Going off script and going off memory. Max, you got your computer there. Look for the verse... Um, 
Um, I found it. Good. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. That's why I couldn't find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me show you probably the most misused verse in all of Christendom. Now some of you have heard me correct this verse enough that you know where I'm going. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and notice with me in verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 it says... There hath no temptation taken you, but as such is common to man. Let's pause there. Here it says, guess what? Everyone has to go through problems. There's none of you that are exempt. It's common to man. That's part of life. You're going to have issues. You're going to have problems. Congratulations. Welcome to the human race. You're going to have problems. But notice this. But God is faithful. Oh, I'm thankful for that. No matter what pressures you go to, God's still faithful. God's still good and God's still right. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able? Now, for some reason, people put a period there. And they use this as their hope verse. God will not give me more than I can handle. And they put a period there and misuse that verse. They said, God won't give me more than you can handle. Ask the psalmist of Psalm 119 if that's true. He says, I'm done. I can't handle no more. God, I'm, I'm, I'm done. If you put a period here, you abuse and have a misunderstanding of the entire Christian experience. Notice the verse in its entirety now. There is no temptation taken to you such as common to man, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with that temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know what he says? He says, guess what? You are often going to have a situation more than you can bear. But he gives you a way of escape. Guess what the way of escape is? Jesus. He's the one that you may be able to bear it. You leave out that idea that the way of escape and you try to handle the Christian life yourself, you will get crushed. God won't give me more than I can handle. What's worse is if you succeed in that. Well, let me tell you, I went through some hard situations and I just grinned and bared it and I got through it. Well, then you miss the whole point of it because God wants you to trust Him. You either live your life by force or you live your life by faith. Faith is trusting in God depending upon Him. But if you live your life by force and try to gut things out, then you're missing it all. God gives us the way to bear it. He gives us the way of escape. He wants us to trust in Him and Him alone. Not your strength, not your ability, not your good works, not your intellect, not your ability to manipulate and force things to happen. He wants you to faith Him. God, I can trust you. You do this because I cannot. If you learn how to walk that away, your life becomes amazing. Not without problems, but in the midst of the problems, you know that God is faithful. And that he always gives us a way of escape. He does not take away the problems. He doesn't take away the things. He goes with us. And his grace is sufficient. And he takes care of the problem. He takes care of the persecutors. He takes care of the issues. We can trust him. The whole problem is, is that we like to bear things our own self. 
And some of us get pretty good at carrying a heavy load. Some of us get pretty good at struggling. I've struggled all of my life and I'm going to continue to struggle. Why? I didn't say take away your problems. I'm saying, Lord, I trust you. I need a new vehicle? No problem. I need a new house? No problem. Well, you don't have it yet. Yeah, but God's got it prepared for me. I trust him. He's good. He's good. He's right. I've got health problems. My whole thing's over. My life's over. You can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God. Don't have to wear. Remember the simple prayer. Help me. Help. God is able to help. He's able to get the way of escape. He's not going to magically erase the problem. He'll go with us. But we'll be able to bear it. Because he is carrying the load. You know, when Jesus says, all ye that are uh, troubled and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You remember that passage. What's a yoke? So if you're getting yoked up, is that going to be the absence of work? It's the beginning of work. And you know how we learn of him? When we're yoked up together with him. But the amazing thing is. So he's so strong. He is doing the work and the yoke. And we're just traveling with him. So think about that. I'm yoked upon him. When are you going to learn the most about Christ? When you're yoked up with him. That's what all of these things have in common. Lord help. And Jesus says fine. I'm going to go with you. You don't have to bear this word. We're going to get the work done together. I'm going to be with you. And if you allow me to carry this whole weight. I'll carry it. You just come along with me. And you'll learn a lot more about me. As we travel together. And get this work done. As we travel through this situation. He, and he says. I shall give you rest. Now that's not taking a nap rest. But it is a rest and bind, a rest and body, a rest and ease that we're getting the work done and God is doing all the work. That's what all of this is speaking about. This is what the psalmist is, is going through. This human experience and he's relating to us. And he said, let me tell you, I'm not a super Christian. I'm not someone who says, listen, I can handle the Christian life myself. He says, I can't. I'm trying to tell you I can't. And Lord, help me. I can't do it. And God says, let's yoke up and let's get it done. And you just come with me and you'll learn more about me. Yoke up with me. That's what God is trying to get across. Stop trying to live the Christian life yourself. What do we need? Revival. We need quickened. We need this new life. Turn back to Psalm 119 and let's finish up. He says, help me. Quicken me. Revive me. Do the work for me. Just go with me. I need you. Quicken me. He says in Psalm 119 verse 88. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. I'm so thankful for that. That he loves us so much. And it's not just kindness. It's loving kindness. Because he loves me. He's going to show me kindness. Because he loves me. The kindness he gives me is new life. Because he loves me. He's going to go with me. Because he loves me. He's going to take the bulk of the work. And I'm going to go along with me. With him. 
Psalm 119.88. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. So shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. He says, Lord, in exchange, I'm going to keep your word. Because I found that it's true. I found it is faithful. I found that your word is true. And I'm going to keep what you tell me to do. You know, that's a big part. If you're asking God to help me and you won't obey his word, can you really expect God to help? If you say, God, I need your help, but you don't show up to church, can you really expect that help? Because you're not really trusting in him. You have the idea where he says, God, you be my servant. Take care of that and report back to me. Remember, he yokes up with us. We have to go with him. And we can't. Let's imagine that we're doing the yoke. And that he says, all right, yoke up with me. Come upon me and I will give you rest. And he starts going. And then we start putting our feet in the ground. Whoa, whoa, I'm not going this away. Is the work going to get accomplished? No, you're going to be fighting against him. If we're going to be yoked up with him, we have to be with him. You can't have two animals fighting against each other in a yoke. The work won't get done. So he'll say, fine, if you don't want to go forward, we're just going to stay here then. If we really want God's help and understand what the Bible says, then we have to understand we have to do our part yoked up with him. So many times people will think that if I just show up to a church service, God will see that I'm really sincere. He'll magically wave his wand. I'll go back home and everything's great. I don't have to go to church for a while until the next time. They're missing out. Someone will get to the place. Oh no, I'm discouraged. I think I'll get my Bible out. And uh, oh, all right, all right. Now let's see. I need some encouragement. Huh, I don't know what that means. Oh well, so what? But they haven't been in their Bible. They haven't been learning of God. God's not in emergency use. God's a whole lifestyle that we learn of him. And walk with him. And watch him do the amazing things. We do have an amazing God. And it is worth it all. Everyone's going to go through trials and tribulations. In fact, I can't understand how people can survive without him. I can't imagine going through something and not having him carry the load with us. But God is faithful. He's always good. He's always right. Even when everything seems to be falling apart, we can trust him. And so often those situations are for our benefit. You say, it doesn't feel like it's helping me. It does when you learn more about Christ and learn that he is able and learn for you to stop trying to do it yourself and allow God to do the work. He is faithful. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.